Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 26. Philippians chapter 1, you can find that on page 1,826 in your pew Bibles. Page 1,826. Philippians 1, starting at at, uh, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Thus far the reading. This is... uh This sermon is from a sermon series that I preached a while back at my church uh, through the book of Philippians, uh, where the the focus focus of that was having joy in Christ. And sometimes it is incredibly difficult to have joy in Christ. And we see in this letter uh, to Philippians that Paul, as he is in prison, has immense joy in Christ. And it's, it's really crazy to think about uh, uh, because this is by far Paul's most joyful letter. You see it over and over and over again and, and it's crazy to think about he's in prison and yet he, he still has immense joy. Um, when I was in seminary, uh, toward the end of my time in seminary, uh, I had to go through these examinations in order to graduate. And these are stressful times. And so it's like, 
uh, uh, basically these examinations are split into to two sections and you have this panel of professors and pastors and they just ask you uh, the first examination they ask you questions for for a couple hours um, and the second examination they give you this like uh, case study and you have to write this paper and and uh, present uh, your solution to the problem in this this study and and they give you like a 10 minute break after the questioning period uh, as they make a decision if you passed that portion of the exam and that 10 minute wait is by far the most stressful part about it. So like, like here I am, like in the hallway wearing a suit, which if you know me, I never do. This is the most you'll ever see me dressed up. And it's like I'm waiting in the hallway, going back and forth, uh, going over the, the answers that I gave over and over and over again and seeing like, oh, that answer wasn't that good and uh, oh, I could have said this better. And I, I started this downward spiral during this, this time of waiting. So it went from like, oh, I could have answered this better to like, oh, maybe I didn't pass to no, I didn't pass and I better think of a backup plan right now because obviously I'm never gonna make it out of seminary. Uh, and it's amazing during that time of waiting, that downward spiral that you just go. Um, and then I realized I didn't have anything to worry about once they called me back into the room. But it's, it's, it's amazing how, how that, that time of waiting, of not knowing an answer to something, just causes so much stress in your life, so much anxiety. And that is the situation that the Apostle Paul is going through at this moment. Uh, so uh, uh, Paul, he is uh, in this time of waiting in prison. Uh, we don't know what, like Paul was in prison a few times, and we don't know what time of imprisonment that he was in when he wrote this letter. But there's something that we have to understand about uh, the way the, the prison system was in the Roman Empire. Uh, so normally when we think of long-term imprisonment, uh, we think of it as a punishment uh, for something that somebody did. Uh, but in Rome, it was actually um, a place where you would wait, so either prison or house arrest, where you would rate, wait to hear your verdict. And so uh, Paul being in prison, this is not his punishment. He's waiting to hear what his punishment is. And either he'll be set free or receive some sort of harsh punishment, or he could uh, uh, be executed. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. He's waiting for that verdict. Uh, yet yeah, it amazes me that that Paul is joyful, like uh, uh, that, like even though he's he's waiting to see what happens, he he still um, has this this spirit of joy. Now he's writing to the Philippian church. The first time he met the Philippians, uh, if you know the story in Acts chapter uh, sixteen, uh, that Paul uh, was put into jail the first time he met the Philippians. Uh, basically, there was uh, uh, Paul and Silas uh, were being followed by this, 
this uh, demon-possessed girl, and Paul casts out the demon. They are sent to jail. They sing praises to God, and, and uh, the, uh, there's an earthquake in the jail, and the uh, jailkeeper thought that the prisoners escaped, and he was about to kill himself because he, he's like, I'm going to get punished for this. And Paul and Silas were like, no, we're still here. And uh, the jailkeeper responds like, oh, what must I do to be saved? And uh, later, later that day, uh, Paul and Silas were uh, released from prison. Their, the verdict they received was not guilty. And so the Philippian church um, isn't new to, to Paul being in prison. That's how the Philippian church got started, by Paul being in prison. But the first time around, Paul was released. It was a non-guilty verdict. This situation is different. Paul has been in prison for quite a while. Uh, possibly some of his imprisonments were up to two years, and that, that could have been this one. And this, this uh, church, they, they experience God delivering Paul from prison the first time in such a miraculous way, and this time nothing seems to be happening. And so the discouragement that is happening within this church, uh, because Paul is, is uh, still in prison, um, they are beginning to create a lot of doubts and uncertainties. And so Paul, Paul is writing this letter to encourage the church, uh, to uh, remind them that like, the, the confidence that we have in Christ, we don't have to worry about the situation that we are in, uh, yet uh, Paul is, is uh, uh, showing that, that you can have joy even though you have no idea what the outcome is. And that's what this entire passage through Philippians is about. And it's such a beautiful passage. Uh, so in verse uh, 12 and 13, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So Paul, right right off the bat, is showing like, hey, me being in prison is a very good thing. So Paul is in house arrest, and they have a rotation of guards um, uh, making sure that Paul doesn't escape. And being in house arrest, Paul can also have as many visitors as he wants as well. And so... so Paul is saying that he has more freedom to talk about Christ because before he was in prison, he had to be a little careful um, on how he did things to make sure that he wouldn't go into prison. Well, now that he's in prison, what else are they going to do to him? Like, he can say whatever he wants now. Like, like, they can't just send him to prison. He's already there. So he, he has found this immense freedom to share the gospel of Christ uh, because, like, he has these guards and visitors, and the guards can't leave him, so they're forced to listen to whatever he says. Like, it's a, it's a, a captive audience. Uh, um, and so Paul takes advantage of that. So right off the bat, he, he tells the Philippian church, like, hey, I'm still doing the work that I'm called to do, whether I'm in prison or not. I am still sharing the gospel of Christ. 
verse um, 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. So it's not just that pause in prison. Um, And there's still, with that passage I just read, there's still some unanswered questions that we don't get. But here's here's probably what's going on. Uh, So uh, there are plenty of people in the town that pause in that preach... Uh, the gospel of Christ. Now, in a culture like that, to be put into prison causes a decent amount of shame. And two responses kind of came out from from that. Uh, uh, The first response is a bunch of uh, fellow Christians that were faithful in preaching the gospel were encouraged by Paul being in prison. Like, oh, Paul's a perfect example. Like, we should always be bold in proclaiming the gospel, whether we go to jail or not. Uh, Paul may die from this, but it's still worth it. And so a group of Christians were quite encouraged by this whole situation that we see. Uh, But then there were other Christians who were embarrassed to be associated with Paul. Oh, he was sent to prison. I do not want to be associated with him. And so what they end up doing is they're still sharing the gospel, but they're also dragging Paul's name through the dirt to distance themselves uh, from him. And it's kind of crazy that, that Paul is still thrilled about this because usually when, when rumors or uh, uh, bad things are said about us, um, our name being dragged through the dirt, it is usually the most discouraging thing. And we just, it, it is something that we just try to avoid. But Paul, on the other hand, he's like, you know, I don't mind if my name is... is uh, uh, dragged through the dirt, uh, the gospel of Christ is still being preached. Even if the motive is bad, the gospel of Christ is being preached. I don't really care as long as people hear the good news of Christ. This boggles my mind completely that Paul is so full of joy. He, he's like the, the eternal optimist because of Christ. Uh, one of my uh, favorite books, uh, series of books to read is the Chronicles of Narnia. Like I've I've read those books since I was a little kid, and those are still like I I read them almost uh, uh, like three or four times a year. Still, like I'm just obsessed about them. And in one of the books, in the Silver Chair, there's this character by the name of Puddleglum, and he is kind of like he's an interesting character where like uh, he kind of uh, takes the Uh, He has a little sarcasm to him, but he takes the most negative situation and tries to turn it positive. And at one moment, uh, Puddleglum and the two other characters are deep in the ground, 
and, uh, um, and they don't think that they're going to escape from this tunnel under the ground. And Puddleglum's response was brilliant. He, he was like, you know, if we, if we die down here, we, we get to save on burial expenses. Uh, it's like that, that sort of, oh, that line is just brilliant. But, but Paul is the same sort of, same sort of thing. He, he has this trust, this confidence in Christ that, that he, he knows that everything is going to turn out somehow. And we'll, we'll see that more in a little bit. Uh, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now think about the situation that the Philippian church is in uh, because they, they think like, oh, sometime like God hasn't delivered Paul yet, but, but God will. And uh, uh, Paul is saying like, yes, I will be delivered. And I'm sure the Philippian church, when they read that, like, oh yeah, we, we know Paul will be delivered. God will deliver him from, from possible death. But then Paul, Paul continues I eagerly, verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that throughout my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So Paul's going to be delivered, but his view of deliverance is by far different than the, the church in Philippi's view of deliverance. Paul's view of deliverance is like, oh, if I die, I'll be delivered. If I live, I'll be delivered. That is not the response that the people want to hear. They don't want to think like, oh, oh death is still a possibility. Like, how can Paul think of this as deliverance? But in, in Paul's mind is this like it's similar uh to the first question and question and answer of the the good old heidelberg uh what is my only comfort in life and 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 death i'm not my own but belong body and soul to my faithful savior jesus christ that is paul's thinking because to die is to be with christ and for him that is deliverance and when he compares the two, he's, uh, it, it's kind of crazy. He's like, you know, being with Christ is by far the better option. But he also realizes that's, uh, that Paul can still be used to serve Christ in life now. So even though he's like, oh, like, if I do die from this experience, that's, uh, that's a wonderful thing. But... I'm called to serve the church now, to serve Christ now, to encourage the brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul finally, going back and forth here, ends on, uh, ends on the fact that like 
Christ is still using him now to serve the church, so he will be delivered from prison. It's, it's kind of, again, this is kind of boggles my mind the way Paul is thinking. How is he so confident in Christ? How does he have this joy? And I think a lot of it has to do with a future hope that, that Paul has. Because the, the reality is it's so easy to be discouraged in life. So many things can go wrong. Like every day we do not know what's going to happen. Something can just change like that. And it's, uh, life is just chaotic. It seems like things are constantly changing and changing and changing. And we get so discouraged because we don't know the future. We don't know what is going to happen. Uh, Yet, Paul has confidence that that Christ is restoring all things, that Christ will return. Paul talks about that often, over and over and over in his letters, that Christ is going to return. And so, even though our lives are constantly changing, there's one thing that isn't changing, and that's Christ. So in a world that is nonstop, where things just keep coming at us, like, you know, one of the things I need to stop doing is watching the news. I get so discouraged when I watch the news, but I'm a news addict. I, I like, read multiple newspapers and, and listen to a, a bunch of podcasts, and I, like, oh, the news, but then I get really depressed and discouraged because everything seems to be falling apart. The world is constantly changing, but Christ is not. And so it is that future hope. It is knowing what will happen and living in that hope at this moment that brings confidence and assurance and encouragement. And like, I, and for, for uh, this church, I know that you guys are going through immense change. Uh, as you're looking for a pastor, and you don't know what's going to happen next. You have no idea what's going to happen next. Things are constantly changing. But you can have confidence in Christ and that future hope lived out now. And it brings us so much encouragement and joy. Even when there are impossible situations right in front of us, we know that it will turn out because of Christ. It may not turn out the way we expected, no. But that's, that's fine as long as we know our only comfort in life and in death. When I was in Bible college, uh, my part-time job was working in the kitchen. And so I was the, the chef's help. And uh, my Bible college, we had this uh, ret- uh, retired five-star Swedish chef. Uh, man, was he a gift to the school. His food was amazing. And so as I was doing work in the kitchen, uh, he would cook these elaborate meals, and he would give me a little, uh, little uh, taste of the meal as he's preparing it. And like, 
Uh, my favorite meal that he made, I have an obsession with food. My favorite meal that he made was a steak with a green peppercorn sauce on top of it. It was, it was absolutely heavenly. And I would get little taste of this. And so even when I'm doing like the worst jobs in that kitchen, like uh, cleaning the, the deep fryers, which if you've ever cleaned deep fryers in a kitchen, it is a nightmare of an experience. Um, it, is, it is messy, and uh, you just smell like uh, uh, French fries, but not the good smell of French fries for days and days and days. It's, it's not a pleasant experience. But even so, when I'm cleaning those deep fryers, I know the meal that I will be having in, in a couple hours. That will be the most delicious thing that I will have that, that day, that week, that month probably. And so a lot of the Christian life is, is looking at that hope that we have in Christ and living that joy out at this moment. So to end... Oh, good, I did follow my notes. Um, I'm really bad at following my notes. Uh, but... But to end, I'm going to read a quote uh, by uh, Pastor Kevin DeYoung. Eternal life in God's presence will be such a weight of glory that we will feel as if we never knew happiness before and all our troubles will be in a moment forgotten as so puny and so trivial and to be utterly inconsequential compared to all this joy. And this experience of delight and glory will go on forever. The glory and delight and love are always growing, always swelling, and always increasing as we learn more and see more of God. Every Tuesday is better than Monday. Every Wednesday is better than Tuesday. Every Thursday is better than Wednesday. Nonstop, continuous, everlasting glory. It is your best life later. It, oh man, I'm going apart from my notes again. It also reminds me back to the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, at the very end of those books, it ends with like all the, the characters that you love and that you enjoy are in the presence of, of Aslan who represents Jesus in these stories. And Lewis, C.S. Lewis ends those books on the same note where Each day was better than the day before. Being in God's presence is like that. But that's future. But we can live in that joy now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, soften our hearts and encourage us If we're going through difficulty this morning, give us the assurance of Christ, the joy that we can receive from Christ that we can't receive from anywhere else. Encourage us today because of your word and your promises. In Jesus' name, amen.